Gambling on football, you say? Well, well, well. If you've done it before, you want to get back into it, or you just want another place to reliably play, where you know when you win, you're going to get paid. Because remember, that's the whole deal. Winning is nice, getting paid even nicer. Thank you, Mr. X, for the comment. Bottom line is this, my bookie, mybookie.ag. They've been with us now for two seasons. They are a solid book. They pay when you win, and they are very straightforward. Plus, they've got a great array of ways that you can wager on games, an excellent interface, excellent mobile app as well, and great customer service. You know, there have been a small number of hiccups along the way, and people have emailed me directly and said, hey, I had a problem with my bookie, I send one email, boom, off to my rep at my bookie, and the problem is fixed like that. Mybookie.ag. Now listen, if you want to maybe bet a little bit and win big, try some parlays. They're kind of hard to hit, but they're fun to play, right? Join now, and MyBookie will double your first deposit. That's mybookie.ag, one of the best in the business. It's where I play. It's where I recommend you have an account as well because you can never have too many. And right now, joining MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo to activate the offer. That's promo code ZABE. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Today on the ZABEcast, there are many hundreds of former NFL players who are absolute salt of the earth. Great guys. Antonio Brown is not one of them. Ron Thomas is our guest today. He's been out of the mix way too long. He'll weigh in on Tim Tebow's passionate defense of college sports. All that plus Bruce Allen losing off the field. Your bonus 40 minutes of gloriously uncensored me is locked and loaded. So buckle up and let's go. (laughs) Here we go. Tuesday, September 17, 2019. Thank you for downloading. Before we get into it today, quick announcement. We are still working on a yearly option which will activate a chance for those who missed on the ale coin last year to scoop it up this year with a one-year commitment to the good old Zabecast as a subscriber. We are working on that, and by we, I mean Chris Broussard of Enlutions.com, my web ninja podcast ninja and we want to get it right we don't want to do it fast so sit tight you haven't missed anything yet i'll let you people know as soon as it comes out what you mean you people you ever see tropic thunder no never mind you should see it pretty damn funny there's that secondly thank you to one and all who said i just subscribed now get the van i'm in now buy the van i'm in now go get the van Oh, I'm getting a broadcast fan. I'm getting a mobile studio. I'm going to get a sweet as pie, miniature, mobile, broadcast, podcast, tailgate studio that is going to have reach capabilities anywhere in the continental 48 plus Canada and Mexico if we get through customs. Oh, it's it's going to be great. I've decided on a Ram ProMaster 1500 with the high roof. I have one company that is supposedly one of the best at retrofitting these things and customizing with whatever you want. It's called Sherrod Customs in Georgia. I've reached out to them. I'd love to have some options and some competitive bidding. So if you know of anybody 
who happens to be a van converter, someone who does great work on the insides, let me know ASAP because I'm going to move on this. I'm not going to let this drag on. I, I wanted this van yesterday, but I finally got in my head. I was like, okay, I know exactly what I want now. It took a while to kind of say, well, do I go cheap? Can I afford this? Maybe I'll do this instead. I said, no, if you're going to do this, do this. And so if you know of anybody, let me know. Okay, having said that, let's get into the meat and guts of the episode. Let's start with Antonio Brown. Robert Klemko, writing in SportsIllustrated.com, has an excellent deep dive, which has touched on a number of different people, all of whom have been stiffed by Antonio Brown along the way. This guy is something else. He is a tornado of lawsuits, litigation, and bad breakups. Let's go through some of the incidents, and we're not even going to bring up the incident that he is currently being sued for by the former gymnast who claims that Antonio Brown raped her. That is a very serious charge, but I have a very serious problem with it in that she's pursuing only a civil case and did not report the incident to police. I have a big problem with that because I believe in this day and age, everyone should be well enough aware and should be responsible enough that no matter what personal trauma it may you know, happen to you, if you're raped, you you have to report that to the police, I think, for the most part, unless you literally fear for your life. And, and maybe this woman did. I don't know. It's just very hard for me to get behind a woman who says, yes, I was raped and I didn't report it to police and now I want money. So that having been said, let's move on to the other people in the Antonio Brown orbit who have been stiffed, insulted, left behind, ghosted, and many of whom are now suing him for back wages. Sean Pena, a speed trainer who worked with the wide out for uh, the summer, is suing Brown for 7,200 bucks. Said his attorney, quote, my client is pissed because he stiffed him and ghosted him, was being evasive, and the next thing you know, Brown is in Paris buying a Richard Millet watch. So it's just a complete insult. The attorney says another potential complainant, a videographer, has reached out to him saying Brown will often give employees items like shoes and later claim them as adequate payment in lieu of money. Brown believes the notoriety people like Pena can earn by working with Brown and advertising it on social media is payment enough. Now that may be true, but you got to spell that out up front. Then there's this, Robert Leo, a car detailer who says he assumed a role as Brown's personal attendant and valet, says Brown owes him over $16,000 from expenses that Leo covered with his personal credit card. Leo was dedicated to him, did everything he could, worked hard for him, and he just ditched the guy. I feel bad, sort of. On the other hand, what are you? you're a personal attendant and a valet. Get the money up front. Brown has also had acrimonious relationships with several women in his life, not just the one who is currently suing him for rape. Police were dispatched to his Pittsburgh area home on domestic disturbance calls three times in the last four years. Hey, Raj, how's that domestic violence policy going? Good. In May 2018, the most recent incident, Brown called police to his home claiming his girlfriend, his baby mama, took his credit card and a Range Rover. 
when the police arrived, his baby mama was in the vehicle with the credit card. She told police that Brown was intending to go to California without providing adequate funds for her to take care of their kids while she was go- while he was gone. Brown gave the officers 500 bucks to give to his baby mama in exchange for the credit card. She claimed she needed a grand. Brown refused to give her any more money. Officers were unable to settle the dispute, which, to their knowledge, did not turn violent, and they left after suggesting that Antonio Brown, quote, attempt to speak with his, the mother of his kids through another mediator. Fucking police officers who should be out watching for crime, arresting bad guys, are there negotiating $500 to $1,000 between Antonio Brown, his baby mama, locked in his SUV with his credit card. What in the living fuck are we talking about? Then there's this. Uh, There was a doctor, Dr. Victor Prisk, a former gymnast and bodybuilder. He runs Prisk Orthopedics and Wellness in Monroeville, Pennsylvania, otherwise known as POW. (laughs) He was wary of Brown's reputation in the athletic performance community for being, in his words, a flighty client. Yeah, flighty is a nice word for shithead who doesn't pay anybody any money. In August of 2018, he took an initial meeting with Brown, for which he says the guy was three hours late. Upon arrival, Antonio Brown passed gas numerous times in Prisk's vicinity while Prisk was testing his body fat. A video shot by one of Brown's buddies made the rounds on the internet, said the doctor, it just seemed childish to me. I'm a doctor and this man is farting in my face. But Dr. Prisk took on Brown as a client anyway. He created a supplement program and a diet and said he had an oral agreement with him to be paid $500 an hour. (laughs) Dr. Prisk, oral agreement, yeah. But when the doctor would bring up payments, Prisk said Brown demurred, instead shifting the conversation to ways he had dreamed up for the two to be partners in business. Said Prisk, in his very first meeting with me, he said, I want to get you on salary. I want you on my team. Then he's like, we need to build this downtown. Pow, two. I'm like, okay, that's cool. So I found a building, had somebody put together a sales agreement for the building. Don't hear anything back. Then Brown says, I'm going to connect you with a treadmill company I work with. We're going to get you a couple of treadmills for your gym. AB stops talking to that guy, and then I'm told, they're not giving me a treadmill. (laughs) Finally, Prisk filed suit in Pennsylvania seeking $11,500 from Brown. Said Dr. Prisk, he tells you he's going to make it totally worth your while. He's going to invest in your business. Invest in you, you're part of my family, call God, and all that. But he doesn't do it. He doesn't even pay the bill. Then there's Chef Stefano Tedeschi, a Central Florida mainstay known as Chef Steph. Hired him to cook for friends in a rented Florida mansion during Pro Bowl week in Orlando. Tedeschi says he took on the job thinking, okay, uh, I'm sure I'll get paid. I'm not worried about it. He should have been. Tedeschi said as service people tending to various aspects of the vacation rental home came in and out of the house throughout the week, he could overhear Brown saying on more than one occasion, get those motherfucking crackers out of here. He claims he was unfamiliar with the term. Asked his wife to Google whether cracker was a slur. That's bullshit. You liar. Uh, what, What is that? 
Tedeschi's wife raised concerns with her husband when she heard Brown openly referring to a woman at the festivities as a fucking bitch. During the party, a handful of players, including Brown, were up on the top floor hosting women. Several players openly smoked marijuana. Meanwhile, Brown's children were in attendance. I probably couldn't have found a babysitter. A concierge, angered by what she saw, complained to Brown's baby mama, chastising her for tolerating the scene. The next day, Chef Tedeschi says one of Brown's personal assistants, whom the chef identified as Brian Davis, told him, when you speak to Mr. Brown, don't look him in the eye. Stunned, the 55-year-old Tedeschi ignored him, who was some years, some 30 years his junior. As Brown looked on smirking, Davis began to yell, when you speak to Mr. Brown, you don't look him in the eye. Tedeschi says he nearly quit on the spot. That's when I realized I probably wasn't getting paid. Later that afternoon, Brown found several found a severed salmon head, which Tedeschi was saving to use in soup in the freezer. According to Tedeschi, Brown then accused the chef of making a mafia-style threat against his life. Brown then subsequently refused to pay the $38,521 bill owed to the chef. Said Chef Jeff, I, do not, I didn't want to file a lawsuit. You're, you're a chef suing a celebrity. That doesn't look good on me. Other people are going to doubt me now because of this. I've tried every olive branch. I've offered to come down and cook for him for free in South Florida after I get paid. Nothing, he says. And then there's this. The newest client of one of the attorneys gathering up potential lawsuits against Antonio Brown a new attorney has a client by the name of Jeff Leung of Aqua World Pet Supercenter in Pittsburgh. He says he installed a 220-gallon tank at Brown's residence and filled it with piranhas at his request in June of 2018. Of course, piranhas. Last December, he received a call from Brown's house well past midnight indicating an emergency with the fish. He arrived to a tank covered in algae due to inattention and the unmistakable odor of dead, rotting piranha. He recommended Brown discontinue the aquarium and then pay him the more than two grand he still owed. The attorney says, oh yeah, Brown did get out of the aquarium business, but still hasn't paid the two grand, which is owed. And it goes on and on and on. It's just incredible. There are so many athletes, ex-athletes, current athletes who are salt of the earth, great people. And you don't hear about them enough. They're the kind of people you'd want as a neighbor. And then there are your Antonio Browns of the world. And you know, in this story, they talk about how Mike Tomlin was the only coach that could really, well, he's the only coach he had, but Tomlin was able to kind of keep him tuned in because Tomlin came from a rough upbringing as Antonio Brown had done. And they talked about, you know, what Antonio's been through, growing up the way he did with a father who threw him out of the house when he was a teenager, et cetera, et cetera. Guess what? I don't care. There are a lot of success stories of athletes who came from shit upbringings with asshole absentee fathers who when they finally made it to the pros, guess what? Decided not to be an asshole like their dad was. And when they ask somebody to do something for them, 
They took a small amount, a tiny amount of their millions and millions of dollars that they earned, and they paid people. He's all yours, Patriots. Enjoy. Couple of emails real quick, then we'll get to Ronnie Boy. This one from Todd M. regarding IPTV. This would be Internet Protocol TV or illegal streaming services, or shall we say quasi-legal? I don't believe IPTV refers to things like YouTube TV, which is legit and legal, or Hulu or Amazon. I'm talking about services you've never heard of. At least I haven't heard of most of these, but people get around on message boards. Todd M. says, Zabe, I've cut the cord for over three years. I've had three different companies. One used Bitcoin. I canceled the service when the Bitcoin service fee was actually larger than the TV payment. What a pain in the ass. P.S. You have to buy Bitcoin. I bought it from an ATM at a check cashing store. Then you can scan it into your phone to a Bitcoin app. Then you can scan it to your service and away you go. Okay. Still sounds shady to me, but all right. I had a service called Vader Streams. The feds shut them down, but not for why you think. It is legal to watch streaming TV, believe it or not. It is illegal to download or record copyright material, though. They offered video on demand, which is streaming copyrighted material. They got caught because they fired an employee who went to the feds and told them where the servers were. The service I use now is Dark Media. It's damn good. All sports, regional Fox Sports, Masson, all networks, pay-per-views, and in beautiful HD. Plus, I get UK cable and Canadian cable TV as well. Yeah, hey, got to get that curling on Canadian cable, eh? When you were talking about the Seasons for You service that a listener was kind enough to hook you up with, and I I did talk about that on the air. I don't know if I talked about it here on the Zabecast. Seasons for You, I started watching it going, this can't be legal. This is really, really good. I don't even have good internet where I live. And look at the streaming here. So sweet. And you said to Scott Lynn, you're like, should I not have talked about this? Did I let out a secret? I doubt it. I'm sure the feds know about all these services. Many place their servers, though, in the Middle East or Russia or Switzerland or New Zealand where copyright laws do not exist. Anyhow, just a little info, but I'm sure you received a hundred of these educational emails by now. Ha, Todd M. Thank you, Todd. Yeah. I need to move where there's better internet. If I can move where there's better internet, I'm set. That's all it, all it is. Can somebody talk to my wife about that? And then there's this, Mike Clancy, who is uh, becoming my research uh, bloodhound. He really goes after it. I love it. I said on the podcast last Friday with Mr. X, I said, man, I think week one is the hardest week to predict against the spread. There's a lot of bad intel, a lot of bad stuff, assumptions we get on in August and in the preseason that we think, okay, we can move on this because we know what's going on when we in fact know nothing. Mike Clancy said, I ran the numbers. And if you look at the average number of points by which the point spread is quote wrong week to week in the NFL, going back to 2014, you get the table below. Week one is slightly above average, but pretty much middle of the pack. Week 10, going back the last five years, surprisingly, is the worst week in terms of numbers against the Vegas spread. And then just two weeks later, you have the best week in which it is week 12. There's no discernible pattern as far as I can tell. Yes, the week 10, the average miss is 12.3 points 
and that's the highest. The lowest miss is week 12 at 8.1. So you're talking about a swing of four points on average of the average point spread miss in aggregate of all 16 games every week by the Vegas odds makers. I'm looking at the chart. The From highest miss total to lowest, here's the weeks. Week 10, week 3, week 13, 4, 14, 17, 1, 6, 2, 9, 7, 16, 11. There is no discernible pattern, period. Gambling on football, you say? Well, well, well. If you've done it before, you want to get back into it, or you just want another place to reliably play where you know when you win, you're going to get paid. Because remember, that's the whole deal. Winning is nice, getting paid even nicer. Thank you, Mr. X, for the comment. Bottom line is this, my bookie, mybookie.ag. They've been with us now for two seasons. They are a solid book. They pay when you win, and they are very straightforward. Plus, they've got a great array of ways that you can wager on games, an excellent interface, excellent mobile app as well, and great customer service. You know, there have been... A small number of hiccups along the way, and people have emailed me directly and said, hey, I had a problem with my bookie. I send one email, boom, off to my rep at my bookie, and the problem is fixed like that. Mybookie.ag. Now listen, if you want to maybe bet a little bit and win big, try some parlays. They're kind of hard to hit, but they're fun to play, right? Join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit. That's mybookie.ag, one of the best in the business. It's where I play. It's where I recommend you have an account as well because you can never have too many. And right now, joining mybookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo to activate the offer. That's promo code ZABE. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Been a long time since we hooked up with our man Ron Thomas. Way too long. See what's shaking. Hello, Steve. Ronaldinho! Take a listen to your theme music. You know when you Who is this Who is this again, by the way? I'm sorry, I forgot. Dave Matthews. Dave Matthews band, that's right. With the song is. Two-step. Two-step, I love it. Yeah, it's a good one. Hey, uh, you being such a musically passionate guy, former DJ as well, current DJ? Current DJ. Current. <laughs> current, sorry. Sure. Oh, once a, de- once once a, a DJ, DJ, always a DJ. All right. Uh, you being a music guy, uh, thoughts on the passing of both Rick Ocasek and Eddie Money? Uh, I'll start with Ocasek. One of my earliest memories of going to a concert was uh seeing the cars you know when they were really hot i guess it would have been 80 maybe 84 or 5 and at market square arena the old market square arena where's that in indianapolis in indianapolis where the pacers used to play and and they were there with brian adams and it was just one of those shows that you'll always remember i'll never forget how cool uh, Rick Ocasek was on stage. He just stood there with those dark sunglasses, and they had so many hits. You know, they weighing like weighing they, all of a hundred and two pounds, soaking wet. Rick Ocasek. Oh yeah, he was 
tall and thin. <laughs> and and, and the he last time he saw natural light was probably 1968 or yeah, something like yeah, that. The jet black hair. But you know what was crazy? If you remember, he married Paulina Poroskova. Yes, he's one of the model. one of the original outkick the coverages by a wide margin, guys. <laughs> Like everybody understands that money is the ultimate, you know, sex appeal or checks appeals, they say, but she had money. She was a supermodel. That's uh, I guess either that's hope for us all, or maybe it's just depressing that a weirdo, you know, 105 pound goth musician could get such a hot chick, but hey. right. But, but you wonder how weird he is. I mean, I figure when you write so much good music for a pretty extensive period of time, you know, you've got to be a pretty cool dude. And some women, well, you know, I mean, Paulina yeah, no. could have gotten anybody. Paulina right. could have gotten anybody. She wanted and somebody to make it... her feel fulfilled and worthy and make her laugh and attend to her needs, put up with her right. bullshit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like and, we all need. And, uh, her, yeah, her chain smoking and her probably not eating for three days at a time. Exactly. But, and but and Rick Ocasek was just the man. Yeah, and she was in the video Drive, I think, which I thought yes. I think Drive is just a great song. Yeah, you a lot know, of, who's 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 gonna of, drive you home? Yeah, tonight? it was a lot of great songs. Okay, Eddie Money. Since go. you've gone, all kinds of good ones. Uh, Eddie Money, God, uh, you know when I I still play. Um, you know I'll play two tickets to paradise, but uh, gosh, how about Baby Hold I, On? I got them all right here. Yeah, Baby Hold On's a good one, but the the. The bongos in Two Tickets to Paradise is so good if you listen to it in the background. It is so good. And when I used to DJ Homecoming in College Park, Maryland, uh, for at the old Santa Fe Cafe, I used to play that song. Can you hear uh, used, Baby Hold On right I, now? Huh? Can you hear this right now? No, see, I can't. Even when you played my theme song, I can't hear it. All right, I'll work on that. I don't know why it should be feeding it down the line. Okay, no, so there's I, I uh, that's, so that's baby. Was, hold on, you said the bongos. Yeah, the bongos. Two tickets in the to paradise. Two two tickets to paradise. The bongos. I never listened to the, the bongos. bongos. In the, oh, it's so good. The, <laughs> Are you the a bongo aficionado? Well, I just I you know I just love music so much. I tend to dissect it. But uh, when I would play it at Santa Fe, I just would play it so loudly. And rarely being a D- being a DJ who rarely spoke, I would always say, "Let's dig." I'd say, "Dig the bongos," you know. Yeah, hold just, on, uh, hold on. Just, let me let me. I'm gonna listen okay. right here. Shush. Hold on. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. It's back there. See, that's the uh, that's the great thing about music. And you know, I was a percussionist in high school, and uh, music is such that you could have all these instruments, and there are tiny little instruments that are in the mix that you might not even notice. Like I didn't even think about the bongos and two tickets tickets to paradise, but it's like an ingredient in a a dish or or a recipe where without that little spice, it just it's not quite right, right? Oh yeah, and like, it and it drives it drives the uh, the song. You know, Steve. When I always think about like my parents when when their musical taste, when their musicians that they admired and that they listened to passed away, you know what it must have felt like. So, you know, Sinatra, Elvis, right? 
and then like the big bopper and all those guys, unfortunately, Buddy Holly and all them, you know, unfortunately died in an airplane. But I always wondered, you know, how that felt to them if they felt an emptiness. Well, now we are losing a lot of them. I mean, Prince was a big part of my youth. Of course, the OD done for, you know, which is just a ridiculous thing. Uh, and then uh, and then our man, uh, Tom Petty, who also OD'd. Right. Which is just another absolute tragedy from the fentanyl that's floating around the drug market. Um, but, you know, we start we lose these guys. You start to lose them. And even like George Michael died. You know, I was listening to Freedom on Sirius XM, which is a great song. And I thought he's dead, isn't he? And a quick Google. And sure, you know, he died in 2015 at 53 years old. There is a, there's an article by Damon Linker in the online site theweek.com under the headline the coming death of just about every rock legend and he talks about how look you know we're now at this phase where they're going to start to go uh and that this is going to be remarkable here here's uh here's some of the ones that are unfortunately in the crosshairs of life you ready yes Bob Dylan, 78. Paul McCartney, 77. Paul Simon, same. Art Garfunkel. Carol King, Brian Wilson, Mick Jagger, 76. Keith Richards, 75. Jimmy Page, 75. Robert Plant, 71. Pete Townsend, 74. Roger Daltrey, 75. Rod Stewart, 74. Eric Clapton, 74. Oh, God. I mean, every one of those musicians, every single one of them. Elton John, 72. Billy Joel, 70. Bruce Springsteen, 69. This is going to suck these next 10 years. I know. And then look at what we're left with. Not much. Not (laughs) much. Well, Weezer and... And uh, I don't know, electronic music. I, I mean, I love electronic music, but all the music nowadays, it's so contrived and it's not even real music the singing is all done with the auto-tune it's great i was uh i was on my i picked my son up at school today on the way home he was really tired he usually has his ipad in the car with him but not you know on the way home from school or on the way to school and so i turned on sirius xm grateful dead channel because it was such a huge part of my life and there was some, you know, it was a really good set. They were playing a live show from a show that I happened to be at, which was at Giant Stadium, uh, July 9th and 10th. I'll never forget it in uh, New York City, Giant Stadium of a 1989. And it was the only time I had barely been out east from Indiana. And I never thought I'd end up in Giant Stadium because I grew up a Cowboys fan. And all of a sudden, here I am watching the Grateful Dead in Giant Stadium. And I actually got my son to listen to it. You know, I said, just listen, listen, listen. And? I'm going to try and, and I, I'm trying to shut up, you know, well, he's heard the dead before, but he really liked it. And what I try and just, you know, what I try and get to do is I try and get him to appreciate when there's a bunch of instruments being played, like you just talked about, there's so many subtleties, like the Grateful Dead have two drummers, right? Had two drummers, have still. Of course, John Mayer is now playing Jerry sure. Garcia's spot. And that was another musician who passed away, obviously. But 
Um, and he liked it. He likes it because it's different. It's organic and it's so improvisational. You don't get that nowadays. You don't get it. All right. I'm going to give you the top rock artists, according to billboard 2018. All right. These are, and by the way, there's a number of old acts that are still in the top charts like queen and the Beatles, Elton John. So I'm going to sift those out. Here's okay. some of the younger ones. Imagine Dragons, Portugal the Man, mm. Panic at the Disco, 21 Pilots, Five Finger Death Punch, Foster the People, Lovely the Band, Weezer, you mentioned them, uh, Walk the Moon, <laughs> Fallout Boy, uh, Foo Fighters, Linkin Park, 30 Seconds to Mars, and then he got some older acts in there. Uh, Breaking Benjamin's another one. I mean, is Pearl Jam in there? Yes. Yeah. I skipped over it. I don't know where it went. Stones are in there. There's a lot of the old acts that are still in there, but I'm just giving you some okay. of the new ones. So that's the current environment we're in. Okay, let's move it forward. I want to discuss the Tim Tebow passionate defense of the collegiate experience when it comes to athletics and then get your react to this. I'm going to play it. And I'm going to put my headphones right up to the phone. I hope you'll be able to hear it. I think you should be able to. So just sit tight. Okay, Ronnie? Okay. It's a minute and Got 20 it. seconds. Here we go. I have a little credibility and knowledge about this because when I was at the when I was at the University of Florida, I think my jersey was one of the top selling jerseys around the world. Uh, it was like Kobe, LeBron, and then I was right behind them, and I didn't make a dollar from it. But nor did I want to because I knew going into college what what, what it um, what it was all about. I knew going to Florida, my dream school, where I wanted to go, <laughs> the passion for it, and if I could support my team, support my college, support my university, that's what it's all about. But now we're changing it from us from we, from my university, from being an alumni where I care, which makes college football and college sports special, to then, okay, it's not about us, it's not about we, it's just about me. And yes, I know we live in a selfish culture where it's all about us, but we're just adding and piling it onto that, mm. where it changes what's special about college football. Tim. We turn it into the NFL, where who has the most money, that's where you go. That's why people are more passionate about college sports than they are about NFL. That's why the, 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 um, the stadiums are bigger in college than they are in the NFL, because it's about your team. It's about your university. It's about where my family wanted to go. It's about where my grandfather had a dream of seeing Florida win an SEC championship. And you're taking that away so that young kids can earn a dollar. And that's just not where I feel like college football needs to go. Fair, There's man. an opportunity in the NFL, that's but fair. not in college football. There you go. You should have heard the back end. And if I figured out I was putting it up at the wrong thing, I should have been putting up the mic. Did you hear that, Ronnie? Yeah, I heard it. Yep. Well, your thoughts. Well, first of all, it's just another reason to like Tim Tebow. Yep. Um, I've, I loved watching him play. And uh, God forbid he be a man of Christ in this day and age. Isn't it amazing? I mean, have oh, you yeah, ever, I mean, have you ever seen a, a more wholesome guy? More rock solid dude who is so polarizing, so polarizing, and yep. not, for, not, it's not his fault. It's just that there should be a universal respect for him, and yet there is so much scorn and derision, and it cuts across religious uh, fault lines and obviously racial fault lines. There was a lot of racial blowback to Tim Tebow. Just because he was white. Now, he didn't come from a lot of money, from what I understand. 
So it's not like he was sitting there throwing out dollar bills like Johnny Manziel was. Manziel came from money. He still sold his autograph under the table and probably should have been declared ineligible, but he wasn't. So there's that. But his main point was just so ripped apart by almost every other pundit on TV, and I was just begging for some other person to go, look, the current college model is the best deal going. It is such a great deal that there is a vicious fight for these scholarships that when kids of all backgrounds and colors and and from different parts of the country, when they get awarded a scholarship, you will see videos. Schools will cut videos of their mama crying, their daddy crying, their brothers crying. Like, this is incredible, a scholarship to a university. And there are some people, mostly at ESPN, led by Jay Billis, who is patently dishonest and puts forth some horrible arguments in favor of professionalization of college sports, that just treat a university degree like it's nothing. You know, and what's incredible, Steve, is that so often when you see these families, as you were mentioning or referring to, when you see them up at the table with the hat and they're signing a letter of intent or they're signing a, a scholarship you know, commitment, they are so often the first and only member of those families to be going to college. Right. And so for me, what that would signify would be a chance to get a free education and yeah. make something of your life <laughs> and have it paid for right. what to the tune you hear all about how expensive school is. You, all you hear about now from the left and from these other clowns is how expensive it is. And I've got these student loans and I want these forgiven. And listen, I mean, if you have the opportunity, we're talking 130, 40, $50,000, sometimes more plus your per diem. I mean, yes, the schools are making an enormous amount of money, but that is their right. That is, they're the one who are, they're putting out the money to well, build the infrastructure, here's, to pay the TV contracts, to do these things. Well, here's the thing. Okay, so you know who's making out, you know who's getting rich off of the athletes, if you want to take that, they're getting taken advantage of? They are as follows. The coaches are definitely making a lot of money now, including strength coaches, but that's an arms race deal because, truthfully, Nick Saban is worth $9 million a year because he puts out a dominant football team full of horny-ass 19-year-olds who find a way to not fuck up and lose on any given week when that's Correct. quite possible in college. Nick and Saban's, he's got how many rings? Six, right? <laughs> right. And yeah, Dabo Swinney, go. who's got it going on now at Clemson, who's a mini Nick Saban, is also worth a ton of money. So there's an arms race there. The coaches... Who's also a Christian. Who's also a yeah, devout I Christian. I know. Who's he's a, not ripped apart. Yeah, although there are people who will take shots at him. But anyway, so the coaches, there's been a bump there. And the contractors who build the lazy rivers and the over-the-top locker rooms, uh, they're doing pretty well as as well. The administrators, I don't think, are getting any more money from the athletics portion of the way current revenue sports are going. But the other people making out are the women's softball team who can fund a full 12 scholarships thanks to Title IX because of yes. the football team and the basketball team and the swimming team and everything else. And they're the golf make, team. They're, right. They're making out great, 
So as soon as you start doling out money to the b- basketball and football players, <laughs> say goodbye to tons of women's sports because that's where the money is going. What Billis doesn't elaborate on, and he's too smart to not know it, is that this is a great socialist scheme in which the basketball and football bankrolls a bunch of other non-revenue producing shit. And I say shit with all due respect. Yes. Uh, you mean like um, water polo? <laughs> <laughs> Some would say golf, you know, Ronnie, our sport, but we're not going to go yeah. there. I'm not saying anyone's sport is shit. It, it's Steve. supporting a lot Steve. of other stuff. And what's crazy to think is, so now that California has said, we're, we've passed a law that says you can, you know, make money off your name and likeness. I immediately said, huh, who are the five most name and likeness recognizable football or basketball players right now in the state of California? And I couldn't come up with fucking one of them. Right. Can right. you? Like no, You're talking college? Yes. Yeah. The Reggie oh, Bushes. The Matt not, Liners no, no, no. are no there, longer there. Not, the, there's not a UCLA Andrew, basketball player. There's right. not a USC Westbrook football player. Westbrook and Love aren't at UCLA. Andrew Luck is not at Stanford. Even Aaron Rodgers, when he was at Cal, didn't have a lot of name sizzle nationwide. Right. Well, of course California is going to do this just so they can be yeah. you know, the ones. The ones that paved the way. Right. Yeah, the progressive. So, Steve, so let's I, say, let I, me play this further and then I'll let you jump in here. Okay. So let's say that we get five guys who can sell their name and likeness now that it's legal. That's not going to satisfy the righteous Jay Billises of the world because they'll look at the other 99.9% of student athletes and say, well, we got to do something for them now because they don't have any nil rights. They don't really have any value. They need to get paid too because uh, you know Johnny Smith, wide receiver, just signed a hundred thousand dollar shoe deal. So they're going to just move the goalposts again and say we need to pay him. Jay Billis and his ilk will break college sports as we know it, and there will be a lot of fallout if this continues. All right, two things. One, Jay Billis has it so his hatred for the NCAA is so immense that this only uh, it really satisfies his hatred and is right. it fulfills that spot inside. I him. think it also it assuages w- some guilt. He knows he and Dick Vitale and others they're profiting on the college sports industrial complex. Right. Well, they're good, though, but Billis is good. I know he's good, and I mean, I'm not saying he, he doesn't should, deserve it. He, I'm he saying he he's fi- knowledgeable, I, he's well-spoken, he presents himself well, he's an insider, and my, for God's sake, he played for Krzyzewski at Duke. Right, but he, I, wore the, the, he wore the letters. But you know what? I think he's guilty deep down. I think he feels guilty I, about it. You, you, if you have a college degree, you get a job. You you fulfill you know things that you set out to do, or you promised your mother and your father that you were going to do. So you get an education. That's what you do. That's what college is for. I'm not going to ever waver from those thoughts and, and those yeah. beliefs. That and, is what it's for. But in this and, day and age, we are about to make bad decisions to appease what we feel what there is guilt about taking advantage of the black athlete. And the irony is not irony, but the truth is there are plenty of poor white athletes who come from the Hills 
who didn't have a great upbringing themselves. That uh, could half benefit. the West Virg- half the West Virginia football team just go to the line at West Virginia, the, <laughs> right? You know, yeah, I mean center, the center and the two guards and sure, two tackles. Sure, and they they could absolutely benefit from a college education just like a young black player could. And there are also black athletes who don't need the money at all. Larry Fitzgerald's dad was a sports writer, solid middle class family. By the way, he is the supreme class act of class acts. The I, best. I just I just walked through the Antonio Brown story in SI uh, today about how he just was leaving people st- he stiffened people left and right caterers you mean chefs like the photographers artists, to, artists. The, oh yeah came to paint the mural and the right the, see you yeah. know you know and I know so many ex athletes and current athletes who are great dudes I mean salt of the earth the best right and that's the overwhelming majority but the ones who are shitheads like Antonio Brown they are beyond unbelievable yeah and it's amazing to me how much press this guy is getting it is uh, of course he's getting the press because it's the top story right now but he's getting press because he's a fucking douche i mean he's <laughs> and it's incredible and no one really has the balls to come out and call it of course well, when you look at ESPN yeah. and you see these guys, you're going to have a couple that are going to, but they have to be careful because they'll be Uncle Tom's. So you, they, they can't really come out and talk about what kind of miserable. I don't. I usually reserve judgment for people till I've met them. I don't have to meet this guy to know that he's a bad guy. And you know what I think? He went to Central Michigan University, and he. I can promise you that not one person, not one administrator, not one coach. Not one teammate grabbed a hold of this guy and said, "Listen, asshole, you, you, <laughs> no, are a, no, you know what? They didn't jackass. say that. They didn't say that because a, he might not have been as crazy back then. Uh, you know, money does crazy shit to people. Like a lot of money really takes you super nuclear. <laughs> but also, he was easily the most talented guy they had on that team. That's what I mean. That's talent, what I mean. Talent rules, and so yeah, nobody's gonna say, "Hey, man, you need to calm down and stuff." But anyway, all right, you had a real quick thought. I got five minutes left here. Quick thought on Dan Snyder, owner, uh, Washington well, Redskins. Uh, yeah, and you want to talk first, Andrew Luck? Well, I'll just say about Andrew Luck. You know, it's. Uh, it's over with. See, it's amazing how quickly things are forgotten. Like it's already a past story. It's a gone story. It was such a big deal. But my, and you've always known this about me. I was never a believer that Andrew Luck, and I'm not comparing him when I compare him to the rest of the quarterbacks in the league. Sure. He was a good player, but he wasn't going to win you. He wasn't going to win you a Super Bowl. He you, happy you never, feet, fe- you never felt it with him. Nope. Happy feet. Love throwing it to the other team in the most crucial times, delivery, footwork, everything. When the pressure was, when the game was on the line, when the big moment was there. I mean, that playoff game last year against Kansas City was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. But Andrew Luck has the right, obviously, to do what he wanted to do. He's a very intelligent person. He wants to live a life beyond the football field. And he did it. My only problem is, and a lot of the people in Indiana, we feel the same way that you get paid 25, six, seven million for about three or four years. The team is making a commitment to you. Right. And what do you really get out of it? Well, that's what Dan Dockage said. You're, yeah. You know, he said, look, this is bad timing and everything else. Same thing for Steve Berline, who I had on the Zabecast a couple heard, weeks ago. I he listened. said, you listen, thank was, you very much, Ronnie. Yeah. He said, he said, look, man, you know, this was a commitment and that the timing was just not right, especially yep. given that prior to this foot injury, or this calf injury, he was gung-ho for the season. 
Yep. Can't yep. be like gung ho. Let's go kick some ass. I'm ready, boys. I'm your heroic gunslinger. And then it's like, ah, oh, my foot hurts. Okay, I'm yeah. Done. I know. And uh, he's just such a strange guy. You know, he had tried to have book clubs and stuff with the team, and he's just, a, you know, he's just one of those guys that was always a little bit smarter than everybody. And so, anyway, so what else right. was I going to talk Dan about? Dan Snyder, you wanted to riff oh, Dan on Dan Snyder, Snyder. Is for those of you listening around the country, uh, the Washington Redskins, who would be my adopted team since I have lived out here now for almost thirty years. You know, still going home to Indiana. Ronnie, Ronnie family, lives but... on the uh, on the stadium side of the market as well here in D.C. on the Maryland side. You're a lot closer to the stadium than I am. I have tried so hard to fall in love with this team. And sometimes I find myself getting so excited when I watch and I think, wait, shit, this guy, this is my team, but it, it, it becomes my team. What this guy since 1999 has done to the market here is mind blowing. And the reason I bring this up is two twofold. And I know we only have a couple minutes. One, the new owner of our golf course, one of the owners, uh, Tommy Weingartner, the Weingartner family, very well-known car dealers in the air. They had season tickets for 56 years. Guess what? And they had six tickets this year. No go, not going. Didn't get the six tickets renewed. He gets a call from the stadium bear from the, the team begging him here. We'll cut the tickets in half, that type of thing. That's how desperate they are, but he he said no, he's done. Of course not. Yeah. For for this guy who lived and died with this team, for what it meant to people to go to RFK Stadium and feel I've never felt anything like it. When I went there, I told you the story, but Hogu Gary Hogaboom was my neighbor in Indianapolis when he played for the Colts in, in Zionsville, Indiana. All of a sudden, when I go to Maryland, he gets traded. And he comes out to the to the Redskins, and guess what? I'm I'm on the field for the games. I get to all the home games. I get to bring one buddy, my fraternity brothers, and they're like, you know, they had been trying to go to Redskins games for years, not able to get a ticket, and all of a sudden, this kid from Indiana's down on the field with Hogaboom, and I'll never forget ever what it felt like to be you in were, that stadium. You were on the field at RFK. When Hogaboom uh, was a Dallas Cowboy? No, Hogaboom was a Washington Redskin. He never oh. he, he never played. He came from the Colts to the to the uh to the um Redskins, but he was there as a player, but he had a hurt knee and so he became a quarterback mentor for like Babe Laufenberg and Cam Cam and those okay. guys. So my point is, is Yeah, by how... the way, Hogaboom played for Dallas and then mm-hmm. Indy. And then technically hey. listed as a Phoenix Cardinal for one year in '89. Yes. So that's the, Pro Football the, Reference. Okay. What right. What year does it say he was a Redskin? It doesn't say, but he might. I'm assuming the year after he retired at 31, I suppose. No, he came to the Washington Redskins. No, he, he just never played for him. Well, he, he, he ne- a, he's not listed as having been on the team. Well, he was there because okay. I was right. with him. But right. anyway, it was just the whole point was is what it felt like to be amongst you fans. And oh, what, yeah, it was is, incredible. what has happened to this program or to the team? It, it's a disaster. It's a fucking crime against humanity is what it is. It's terrible. Uh, signed with the Redskins in September of 1990 for there depth purposes <laughs> uh, after quarterback and there it cuts off. Uh, Redskins, Redskins scrolling. Uh, yes. After quarterback Mark Rippon was injured. 
released on December 28th to make room for defensive tackle Tracy Rocker. So that would have been 1990. Yeah, right. I mean, RFK was beyond compare, and uh, now it's just it's just so sad what has become of the franchise and, and everything else. And, uh, you know, until Dan Snyder has a big revelation in how he needs to own the team and who he needs to be as a person, uh, I would imagine similar results as far as the eye can how, see. What is sad is how dismissive you are right there because it's become – par for the course it's what well, it's you're a, used to it's being a coping mechanism ron yeah well you know what am i supposed to do oh dan snyder's gonna turn it around soon he's gonna figure it out i, I can feel it why, why would i believe that well it's, sorry it's it's so sad <laughs> it is i know so, it is so sad it's bullshit is what it is yeah, it's well. bullshit how can one asshole you know the problem? This fucking guy never played a sport in his life. <laughs> That's the problem. Now, the flip side is you got Jerry Jones, who was basically almost an All-American at Arkansas. Yeah, but guess what? But, Jerry Jones is killing it. Jerry yeah. Jones has had more success even since meddling in the team, and he has built an incredible empire of physical structures down in Dallas with the star facility and everything else that is state-of-the-art. Yep. It's cutting edge. It's brilliant. It's actual businessman shit. Dan Snyder doesn't even have that. He can't get a stadium built here. Anyway, no. let's no not, one wants to do business with him. Let's not let's not end on a down note, Ronnie. All right. Well, we could talk about the Solheim Cup. That would be a down note. How about that putt that Pedersen made to win? Ovaries, a year and a half ovaries the size of church bells. I love that girl. I loved a lot of the other young gals that I had not known before that are now kind of the stars of the LPGA circuit. Yeah, me too. Uh, golf's a wonderful good. game. Team golf is a wonderful thing. That's why it's a delicacy you and I eat and love. All right, Ronnie boy, we got to go, buddy. Thanks. I'll talk to you next week, all right? Thanks, Steve. All right. See ya. Let's end on this today. When you're a Redskin fan, you take the wins wherever you can, even the small ones. And speaking of wins, Bruce Allen, the extremely unpopular and should have been fired a long time ago, team president under Dan Snyder, finally sold his Reds, his Virginia mansion. He sold it for a loss. Yes. Now, look, he's still filthy rich. He still has like a $7 million crib out in Los Angeles, so nobody's crying for Bruce Allen. But you know what? You like to see him take a loss whenever you can. The place had been listed for more than six or seven times in the last eight years. Most recently at $3.475 million. He bought the property for $3.45 million back in 2010, just a couple of months after becoming the Skins general manager and now team president. So in other words, he was hanging on for a little $25,000. I got to scrape back a little money. He recently sold it for $3.2 million. So he took a couple hundred thousand dollar loss after owning it for 10 years again these are the small things that you say as a redskin fan i'll take it mr winning off the field losing in real estate he's still rich he's still the team president bruce today bruce tomorrow bruce forever that will do it for me today thank you so much for listening thanks to ronnie for giving me a call tonight And remember, rate, subscribe, all that good stuff. I appreciate all the support. Have a great Tuesday, folks, and we will see you next time.
Gambling on football, you say? Well, well, well. If you've done it before, you want to get back into it, or you just want another place to reliably play where you know when you win, you're going to get paid. Because remember, that's the whole deal. Winning is nice, getting paid even nicer. Thank you, Mr. X, for the comment. Bottom line is this, my bookie, mybookie.ag. They've been with us now for two seasons. They are a solid book. They pay when you win, and they are very straightforward. Plus, they've got a great array of ways that you can wager on games, an excellent interface, excellent mobile app as well, and great customer service. You know, there have been a small number of hiccups along the way, and people have emailed me directly and said, hey, I had a problem with my bookie. I send one email, boom, off to my rep at my bookie, and the problem is fixed like that. MyBookie.ag. Now listen, if you want to maybe bet a little bit and win big, try some parlays. They're kind of hard to hit, but they're fun to play, right? Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. That's MyBookie.ag, one of the best in the business. It's where I play. It's where I recommend you have an account as well because you can never have too many. And right now, joining MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo to activate the offer. That's promo code ZABE. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid.